Well, good morning, friends. This is podcast number 477 for Monday the 7th. If I sound a little uh, less um, <laughs> enthusiastic today, just say I'm, I'm low on energy. I haven't felt good. Uh, but I wanted to uh, to to bring the word today, and we're in, um, in our ABC series. And again, this is podcast 477. So grab your Bibles. I apologize for my energy level. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. And then back to Romans, our other memorization scripture is Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. How should we be living? We should be living by faith, faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. And aren't we thankful for that today? I want to talk about two subjects. Uh, we're in the ABCs and we're in R. And so uh, a couple today, I believe, we're going to look at repentance and resurrection. Repentance is important. I don't I don't know that we hear it as much, that um, taught as much. And this weekend in church, uh, our pastor was talking about what is a church, and it's the bride of Christ. And he said, be careful about how you talk about the bride. So I want to be careful about how I talk about the bride as well. And I hope I don't bring you down or make you think that I don't appreciate the church of the bride. I've given most of my life to it, and I love the bride of Christ. But I think at times we um, we don't hear the the message that we need to hear in talking about um, in talking about what what makes a difference and and what really um, changes things for us. And I think one of those words is the word repentance. I think it's imperative that we we talk about it and uh and we we look at what the scripture says. So let's look at uh, uh Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. And um or excuse me 1 through 3 says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Eturia and Traconanitis, and I'm probably butchering this, and Lysenius, tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John the son of Zechariah. Why is this so important? The word of God came because we're looking at 400 years of silence from Malachi until now. 400 years without a prophet, 400 years without uh, the word of God being uh, given. And a lot happened to that. If you ever get a chance to read the intertestamental books, uh, I would recommend it. Verse Three, and he went into the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. His baptism was not like the baptism of after Christ died and rose again, but his baptism was to prepare for 
Christ to come, but the word was repentance. It was a, a turning away. Let me define um, repent for you. Uh, to repent is to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. And so he's preaching repentance. Turn to Mark. Mark chapter 1. Verses 14 and 15, we see the baptism or excuse me, the ministry of John the Baptist was about a baptism of repentance. Jesus comes on the scene and what does he preach? In Mark chapter one, verses 14 and 15. Now, after Jesus was arrested or John was arrested, excuse me, John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. God is a God of timing. Perfect timing. He's not bound by time. He lives in the eternal now. Everything is before him that ever was, ever uh, will be, is before him all at once. But we're not. We're bound by time. So God sends his son, Galatians 4, 4 says it's the perfect time. And he has this message of repent and believe the gospel. Now, who does Jesus come to first? He comes to the Jews who had had the word of God in the Old Testament and were the stewards of the word of God. And yet he comes to them and says, repent, because their lives were, were marked by sin. They were trying to keep every letter of the law, but they were in sin. And so he comes to them and he says, it's time to repent. It's time to change your ways. And thank God that he sends Jesus to tell us that. Could have just let us continue to live in our sin, but he didn't because he loves us too much to allow us to live in our sins. Why does God talk about repentance? Because we need to repent. Because God wants to have a relationship with us, the relationship restored that was in the Garden of Eden where God walked with man in the cool of the day. And God wants to restore that relationship, the relationship broken by Adam's sin. Look at Acts chapter 11. So we've heard from John the Baptist. We've heard from Jesus. Acts chapter 11, Peter reporting back to the church leaders in Jerusalem about what happened in the house of Cornelius with the Gentiles. Because up until this point, the message had been for the Jews. Look at verse 15. And as I began to speak, he's, <coughs> he's retelling the story of what happened in Acts chapter 10. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, the Gentiles, just as it had on us at the beginning in Acts chapter 2. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles, also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Not just to the Jews now, and now it's to the Gentiles. Repentance has come. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And as we, as I share these scriptures, we can look historically, but also we can say, okay, it was for them, but what's in this is for me. Is there a message here? Is there something for me? And only you can answer that. Where are you at in your relationship with the Lord? And where are you in, in, uh, in your walk? 
have you stiff armed the Lord and said, you know, I've come from a good family and I and I go to church and I read the scripture, but this repentance thing, I don't think I need to do that. You do. We all do. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11, there's no one who seeks God. There's no one who does right. There's no one who does good. Romans 3.23 says um, that, the, that uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. Romans 6.23 says the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says we believe and we confess we're saved. What do we confess? We confess our sins. Who do we confess them to? We confess them to Christ. He is the one. He's the one we believe in. And so it's it's imperative that all of us do this. And by the way, it's not a one-time thing. And 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, when we sin, when we sin, we confess that sin. We have an advocate with the Father. We go to, to the Lord and he is faithful, the Bible says, to, to cleanse us, to, to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't get resaved. But he removes that sin because that sin keeps us from an intimacy and a right relationship with God. It is an ongoing process. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. Paul's talking to the Corinthians about a letter that he sent to them, and he was pretty tough on them. He says this, For even I made you grieve with my letter, even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through it. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. I'm just grieving I don't have any place to go if I'm a person who's not a, a believer and I and I don't believe in Christ and I just grieve over something. But when I'm a Christian, I grieve because of my activity or and my sin and my wrongdoing or my attitudes, and I go to the Lord and and that godly uh, grief leads to repentance. And that's a good thing, Paul says. I, I was upset a little bit, but I'm not upset now because your grief led to repentance. Now turn to Second Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two and verse twenty-four. Paul giving some some uh, stipulations and some requirements for a worker a worker who is approved by God. He says this, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patient, uh, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. For God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Isn't that good news? And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. He says, listen, we need to be careful. We need to be cautious. We need to be loving. We need to be kind. But we need to be truthful because we do not know. And God may grant them repentance. That's a good thing. And so be careful what you post. Be careful how you talk. Be careful how you share, because in our kindness, but in our truthfulness, we may lead some to um, realize their sinful activities and their actions, and they may repent. Look at James. 
chapter 5, working toward the back of the Bible. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. James 5, 19 says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, wanders from the truth, and uh, someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. What does he say? If you see your brother walking away, Galatians 6 says this. If you see your brother walking away, if you see your brother struggling, they may not even realize how far they've gotten. They may not realize how far they've compromised. And you, you going to them in love and in truth may cause them to return back to their Savior. What a beautiful thing that is. Look at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Jesus sends a message to his church and he's going to send a messenger, his ambassador, John, to the churches. In verse 19 of chapter 3, it says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. There's this picture that we see all the time. Uh, we've seen it all over of this door with no doubt, knob, no doorknob on the outside and Jesus standing at the door. And it appears to be evangelistic, but it really isn't because the message here in context is to the church. And he calls the church to repentance. He loves us so much that he calls us to repentance. Repentance. Jesus reveals this series of, of, of letters. It's really a one letter and seven letters in one, I guess, seven different churches. And he says, go to them. And this is what I have for each of these churches. And he says, repent. I stand at the door and knock. And if you open the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. That's God's desire is to have this fellowship and this relationship with us. But sin keeps us from that. And so we need to repent. And we need to ask God to forgive us. Turn to Mark. Mark chapter 16. And, and let's talk about resurrection. The central doctrine, doctrine of the church is the cross. But without the resurrection, the cross is just a horrible death. If Jesus came and lived a sinless life, which he did. He died upon a cross, which he did. He went into the tomb, which he did, but there is no resurrection. Then there is no life for you and I. The resurrection is an essential doctrine. Look at Mark chapter 16, verse one. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and, and Salome, uh, brought spices so that they might go and anoint the body of Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll the stone away for the entrance of, is blocked. And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled away. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, trembling in astonishment. Um, they had, had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid until they got back to talk to the disciples. And you would have done the same. 
we're crazy. We can't say anything, but they did. They did. They were told by the angel to go back and tell the disciples, and they did, and they struggled to believe. Later, we know in another account that Peter and John ran to the tomb. John got there first. He was quicker, but Peter uh, went into the tomb, and then John went in, and the Bible says that John believed. The empty tomb, proof of the resurrection. Look at Acts chapter 2. Peter stands on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has fallen. Powerful things are happening. And, and Peter stands on the day of Pentecost in verse 22 of chapter 2 of Acts. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, the sovereignty of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible uh, for him to be held by it. Peter says, he's, he's, he's risen. You killed him, so you have your part, but it was the plan of God. And he is raised from the dead. Now, let's look at Mark, or excuse me, let's look at um, Paul, what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians. So we saw the testimony of, of Mark here. We see the testimony of Acts and Peter, and now we see Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the good news I preached to you, which you received and which you now stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the preaching, the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, if you believed in vain or you believed just to follow along, you're not truly Christians. But if you believed the true gospel, you're here today. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then in the next few verses, Jesus revealed himself on multiple occasions to the disciples. Post-resurrection appearances to Paul and to James especially, which changed their lives. James became the leader of the church and then Paul becomes this great apostle. Now let's move down a few verses into verse 12 of chapter 15. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is futile. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised um, Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. If the resurrection isn't true, then none of it counts. Go down to verse 20. We'll finish here today. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for as by one man came sin, uh, or came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, that's not universal salvation. What he's saying is through Christ, all will be made alive. 
The price has been paid. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus died a, um, a substitutionary death. Jesus was buried and Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, true life is available to every single one of us. Through one man's sin, Adam, death came into the world. So repentance was necessary. And through one man's life, Jesus, life came into the world. So as we repent of our sins and we accept the gift of God, he gives us eternal life. Let me close in prayer. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you. Till we talk again.